a blessed and a wonderful time and it's uh, really been anointed you know just to come in time of prayer yesterday to pray for Israel and this morning as well and just see you know how the Lord is leading us in this time and I'm really excited for what I believe the Lord is about to do and what the Lord is going to do for his church in these days and uh, despite the fact that we're living in difficult times I'm excited to know that God is at move amen I believe that he's about to do something in the house of God now, I believe that we're experiencing a visitation of God like never before. It might not be in the way or the form that we imagined when we prayed, Lord, will you come and visit us once again? But I believe it is a time, and it is a time for the church of God to be ready. Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I'd like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12, and we'll read a few verses from there. And then we're going to get into the Word. Hebrews chapter 12. And I'll start off by reading from verse 1 through 13, and then I'll just read a few more other verses. Hebrews chapter 12 from verse 1. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witness, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, lest you become weary and discouraged in your souls. For you have not rested, resisted to bloodshed, striving against sin, and you have forgotten the exhortation which speaks to you as sons. My son, do not despise the chastening of the Lord, nor be discouraged when you are rebuked by him. For whom the Lord loves, he chastens and scourges every son whom he receives. If you endure chastening, God deals with you as with sons. For what son is there whom a father does not chasten? But if you are without chastening, or which, or of which all of you have become partakers, then you are illegitimate and not sons. Furthermore, we have human fathers who have corrected us, and we pay them respect. Shall we not more, uh, much more readily be in subjection to the Father of the spirits and live? And they indeed for a few days chastened us as seemed best to them, but he, for our profit, that we may be partakers of his holiness. Now no chastening seems to be joyful for the present, but painful. Nevertheless, afterwards it yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen the hands which hang down and the feeble knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but rather be healed. And we go on to verse 25. See that you do not refuse him who speaks. For if they did not escape to refuse him who spoke on earth, much more shall we not escape if we turn away from him who speaks from heaven, whose voice then shook the earth, but now has promised, saying, Yet once more, I will not shake only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicates the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made, that the things that cannot be shaken may remain. Therefore, since we have received a kingdom which cannot be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear, for God is a consuming fire. May God bless his word. Our heavenly Father, we thank you that we can come now. And Lord, I just pray, Lord, as we are here this morning, we are here to hear from you. So Lord, I, I humbly ask this morning that you just grant me the strength and your anointing to proclaim your word. And I ask, Lord, that any word that is not of you fall on deaf ears this morning, Lord. But that which is of you, what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning, Lord, may it accomplish that which you send it forth. 
And may your word bring life in each and every one of us. So Lord, we come this morning and we look to you. We look to you and we ask, Lord, speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I guess it's probably an understatement to say that we're living in a bit of a challenging time right now, isn't it? We all seem to have come through a period of uh, extreme uncertainty. And uh, none of us, I suppose, could have imagined that camp this year would have looked the way that it is. And we praise God that it is still here. And we praise God that we can still meet. None of us could have imagined what would have taken past over these last few months and weeks, not only in our country, but obviously all over the world. And it certainly looks to me, as I think Brother Keith and the others have said during this time, this looks like the hand of God. And I'm almost to the point where I say I believe God is busy visiting this planet and he's busy shaking the things that can be shaken so that that which cannot be shaken will remain. And I believe he's speaking to the church of God in this time. And it is a time like never before where I believe Christians, you and me, need to be strong. And so the title of my message is simply this, it is time. It is time. It is time for the church of God to be strong and to wake up and to see who and what we are. You see, if you think that in this time your refuge is the church, you're wrong. If you think in this time or in the times gone past, my security and my hope and my faith and everything depends on my church, you are wrong. If you think that you're happy in the church that you are because you feel comfortable there, you are wrong. You see, I believe for too long, Christians have relied too much on the church. We've relied on our pastors and our preachers and, and, and those who go out and proclaim the word to do the word of God. But you know, very recently, they closed the churches. We've only just opened, as you're all fully aware of. And who knows whether we'll be open next week or the week after that. They're already talking about closing some things again. And who knows whether they close it again. So if you're relying on any church to be there for you, you're wrong. You're in the wrong place. That's not where God wants you to be. God wants us to be strong. If you're relying on, 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 on John and Dion and the other pastors and the ministers to, to tell you what is the direction we should take in these next few days and where should we be going, and you're looking to them, you're wrong. Yes, the Bible does tell us, and Dion read it the other day as well. It says uh, 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 in Ephesians 4 verse 11, he says, Then he gave some apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, didn't he? That's what he did. That's what he gave us. And so we look to those pastors and evangelists and, and teachers to teach us the word and to help us and to guide us. But actually that sentence isn't quite finished because it carries on and it says they were given to us for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. You see, God has given uh, pastors and preachers and teachers on, on, on this planet today, not so that they can go out and do the work, but that they can equip the saints so that they can go out and do the work of God. So when the churches do shut their doors, it will make no difference. Because the church of God is alive. And they can never close the doors of the church of the living God. It is a time that I believe that we as Christians need to understand who we are and who we are in Christ Jesus and that it is a time for us to become strong, to stand together and become unified in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and the church of God to wake up and see who they are. There's no more place for people who are mere followers of a denomination or a church or a church leader or a personality. There's no place for that in the world that we're heading into. We have to be followers with Jesus Christ. 
One of the greatest turmoils that took place in the early church was the division that was starting right at the birth of the church when people immediately started to follow other people. We know the story in Corinthians where Paul had to, had to rebuke the church and say, why do some of you say I'm of Apollos, another of Paul, and this one and that one? It's happening. It happened right at the beginning of the church. And there's a very good reason why it happens because it, it divides the church. And the church divided, as Jesus himself said, a house divided cannot stand. The church has never been as divided as it has been. And I believe it's time for every Christian to be strong and to be brave. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16 verse 13, it says this. It says, watch, stand fast in your faith. Be brave and be strong. Watch, stand fast in your faith. Be brave and be strong. And this is what the Lord is calling the church to be. It's no longer about a ministry or about someone, or a Bible expositor that has uh, the incredible, you know, uh, we've seen it all on YouTube and we watch it on television, these great Bible expositors that can take the Word of God and tell you things you never understood. And it's amazing, and it's good to learn about the God. Don't get me wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. But if, 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 if our strength and our hope lies in that, what that guy says, well, if that guy says it's this way, uh, then it must be right. No, that is wrong. That is wrong. Our hope has to be in Jesus Christ and nothing else. All you have to do today is to just go maybe on YouTube or some Christian websites and uh, just have a look at some of the things that they're saying today about the situation. In You want to be confused? Go and do that. Man, there's confusion for you. Because you'll hear one thing on this side. Oh, the God's told me this and I believe this is the way the Lord's leading us. This is what God wants us to do. And it sounds so incredible. Then you turn it to another channel. This guy says the exact opposite. Where do you go? Who do I believe? Who's right? Who's wrong? So many things have been said. There's just so many voices out there about what is happening. And God is saying it's time for the church to arise. And the church to stand up. And the church is not a person. It's not a ministry. It's not a building. The church is you and I. It's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we are able to get through these times and face the challenges that lies ahead. And that's why the Word of God says in Zechariah 4 verse 6, He says, It's not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. That's the commander of the heavenly armies. He's talking in a military sense. The York achieves by might, but by His Holy Spirit. You see, looking to the church, it's not going to cut it in these days. It's simply not going to work. Why? Because we are the church. We are the church. Each and every single one of us is the church of the living God. And if you look to a denomination, you look to a church, you look to a building, you look to a pastor... It's not Three Mile Cross Church. It's not Court Farm. It's not any other church. You and I are the church of God. Turn with me to 1 Peter chapter 2. <coughs> 1 Peter chapter 2. First Peter chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. I'll just read up to verse 5 for now. It says, Therefore laying aside all malice, all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and all evil speaking as newborn babes desire the milk for the word, for the word that you may grow thereby if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Coming to him as a living stone, rejected indeed by men, but chosen by God, precious, you also, living stones, are being built up in a spiritual house, a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. You are living stones being built up into a spiritual house to offer up acceptable sacrifices to God through Jesus Christ. We cannot remain as babes in the Lord. It is time for the church to become strong. It is time that we strengthen the hands 
that hang low. It is time that we strengthen, strengthen the feeble knees. It is time to make straight the paths that we walk on. It is time that the church of God arises and sees who they are. We can be in no doubt that we're facing hard times. There is a battle that is lying ahead, a beginning of which we've just begun to see. And we need to make sure more than ever, although we have no idea what the future holds, even for next week, we don't simply don't know what the future holds. But one thing we need to make, make sure is we know the one who holds the future. And that we hold on to him and that our relationship with him, that we can rely on him that no matter what the future brings, I will hold on to him and he will show me and he will lead me. You see, there are times coming that are difficult. We see around us in this country and all over the world many, many businesses closing. We don't know whether a business that you're working in or work, you have a business of your own or work job that you're working for. No one knows whether even next month we will still have it. It might be all gone. Everything is closing down. Business, businesses are going, and we don't know. And the world out there is being shaken. And the world out there doesn't know what is going on. Some of them walk around just purely bemused. You know, uh, even where I work in the place of work, I work with mainly uh, people that don't know God. There are a few Christians there. There are a lot of Muslims there as well. But there are a lot of people that are just atheists and don't believe God. But a lot of them are starting to ask questions, what on earth is going on? Something is happening on earth and they feel a little bit shaken. And when this starts to happen, they're going to turn around and look to someone that's going to make some sense. And you know, the Bible tells us, if we carry on reading in, in, in 1 Peter 2 from, uh, from verse 7, it says this, it says this, Therefore to you who believe, he is precious. But to those who are obedient, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone, and a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense. They stumble being a disobedient to the world to which they were also appointed. But you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, proclaim that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, who once were not a people, <coughs> sorry, but now are a people of God, who obtained mercy, have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Beloved, I beg you, as sojourners and pilgrims, abstain from fleshly lusts which war against the soul, having your conduct honorable among the Gentiles. Then, when they speak against you as evildoers, they may, by your good works which they observe, glorify God in the day of visitation. You see, in the day of visitation, when God starts to shake this little planet like he's doing right now, they will start to look for something. And they're going to look at the things which are not shaken. And the only thing that cannot be shaken is the church of the living God. Because it has to be strong in the Lord. You see, we often see this day of visitation as some great uh, revival that will come through the land, you know. Just sweep, sweep like the wind blows through the trees. And, 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 and like it did in the day of Pentecost. And we often cry out, for, Lord, pour out your spirit. <coughs> I'm sorry. And we want the Holy Spirit of God to come upon us as like tongues of fire. And we want to see that physical manifestation of the spirit. But I believe when God visits this planet, something starts to happen. Remember the last time that he spoke to the people on this world when he spoke at Mount Sinai, it was a fearful thing and a fearful sight. And they trembled and feared and said to Moses, don't let him speak. We will die for sure. You see, when God visits, something happens because he's a holy God. And when he comes close, as we read, he's an all-consuming fire. He will burn up all the chaff that comes in front of him. And it's only that which is holy and pure which will remain. The Bible says it is a fearful thing to fall into the hand of a living God. 
And the world out there, as much as they mock and they scorn and they make like they don't believe or they make like God doesn't exist, let me tell you, when the world around them starts to shake, they know there is a God. They know that they know there is a God out there. And they start to get a little bit worried. But they look around and they're looking for something. And they're looking to someone to help them through this time. And it's only the church of God that will be able to guide them. They need to see Christ in us. They need to see that light because the world is in darkness. And I'm sorry to say, but if they have to look to the church today as they see the church, it is a sorry sight. It is a sorry sight. When they look to the church, what do they see? Confusion. They see division. They see arguments. I mean, I I sometimes shudder when I think if an unbeliever would just type something on YouTube, what on earth is he going to see? What's he going to see? It's a crying shame. The church is where it is. And we prayed yesterday, and I was so touched when um, Brother Keith uh, led us in praying for Israel. And one of the points in praying for Israel, protect them from the Christians. Protect them from false doctrines that Christians in the name of Christianity proclaim. Come on. What's gone wrong with the church where we have to say, Lord, thank you for your nation Israel. Thank you that you're doing what your word says you're doing. You're bringing them back and they're a nation once again. Before our very eyes we see it. How can you not believe there is a God? No wonder the world wants to annihilate them. No wonder every time they open up their mouths they want to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. Well, they'll never be able to do it because God ordained that they'll come back. And they're coming back. And he said they're coming back for a reason as Brother Keith pointed out. They're coming back because he wants to redeem them. He wants to cleanse him and wash him by his precious blood. And now they come and we start to see that. We start to see the move of the Spirit. We start to see many Jews coming to, to the Lord. Now we're in a position where we have to say, Lord, protect them from the church. Because there's just so much nonsense out there. Protect them so that they don't get poisoned through the word. Through the false word. But that they only hear the true word of God. It's time that the true church of God stands up. And the true church of God makes its voice heard. You know, one of my favorite portions of Scripture in the world is John 17, where Jesus prays the true Lord's Prayer, isn't it? Where he prays his heart out to God. You know, every person, if he knows he's about to go, to go into eternity, and I'm sure many people, you know, as they get ill or whatever the case may be, they know <coughs> their time is up. Paul said it in his word as well. He knows when his time is up, shortly going to be with the Lord. It's something, by the way, we shouldn't fear. None of us look forward to death, do we? It's not the hot topic at work, is it? What are you going to do when you die? How long do you think you're still going to live? Yeah, only got about two or three years left, not to worry. No, keep quiet. Yet we have the greatest hope that there ever was. This that we have on this earth is only temporary, man. This body that I have is weak. My hair's gone. Who cares? One day I'll be with him and I'll see him face to face. We have a hope in glory. But you know what, folks? Those out there do not have that hope. They don't know. And when they look at the church, they see a mess. They see a mess. And Jesus in John 17, when he prayed, you know that he first prayed for his beloved disciples, that God would be with them, his heart. But then he went on in John 17, verse 20, and he prayed for us. He said in John 17, 20, he says, I do not pray for these alone, but for those who will believe in me through their word, that they, what did he say? Maybe one. As you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they also may be one in us. That was the cry of his heart. That his church would be one. But you know why he prayed that they would be one? Not that they could come together like this and have a wonderful time and have great fellowship 
you know, and oh, it's so nice, it's great to be here, we build each other up, we edify each other. That's not what he said, why he prayed that. The answer is he gives it himself. Have a look at it. It's in John 20, John 17, verse 20. This is the reason why he prayed, Father, may they be one as you and I are one. Now, Jesus himself said, nothing that I even say, I don't say, except it come from the Father. Everything that I do, my Father does. So he prays that we will be exactly like that, together, as one. And why does he say that? He says this, that the world may believe. That the world may believe you've sent me. No wonder there's so many atheists out there. Because when they do look at the so-called church of God, do they see one? Absolutely not. I don't think the church of, of, of what the world will see as the church of God has ever been so divided. You know, they say there's something like 34,000 denominations, Christian denominations throughout the world. 34,000 Christian denominations all out the world. You think to yourself, what's going on? That's not what Jesus prayed. That's not what was in Jesus' heart. It's time for the church to understand who they are. So that the world may believe there is a God. That on the day of visitation they will see your good work. Sorry, And know that he is God. That it is God that is visiting this earth. And they too will glorify his holy name. Because you are a chosen generation. <coughs> a royal priesthood. A holy nation. His own special people. That you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You see, I do believe that we are a generation that is in a special time in history. We're in a generation where we're starting to see something happening. And it is time that we start to proclaim and show the light that we are. It is time that the true church of God shines its light. No longer must the light of God only shine in a church building on a Sunday where the world can't see it anyway. No wonder sh longer should the, the light of God just be shining in a house or maybe in a room in the house where the rest of the household can't see it. It is time for the light to be placed on a hilltop so that the world can see there is light in this dark world. It is time for the church of God to arise. In Ephesians chapter 3, you can turn there quickly. Ephesians chapter 3. This is Paul's plea to us. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 8. I believe we need to see this this morning. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 8. He says, To me who am less than the least of the saints... This grace was given that I should preach amongst the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to make all see what is the fellowship of the mystery which from the beginning of the ages has been hidden in God who created all things through Jesus Christ to the intent that now the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by the church to the principalities and powers in heavenly places according to the eternal purposes which he has accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and accents with confidence through faith. Look at verse 10. That the manifold wisdom of God may be made known by whom? By the church. To whom? To the principalities and powers. You see that? It is time that the church of God let the principalities and powers of darkness know who we are. For too long, the principalities of darkness has ruled over this earth because the church of God has been scattered all over the world and it's lying in bits and pieces. But we are living stones, each and every one of us. We're not a church combined together like this. Each and every one of us is a living stone that God has redeemed by the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. If you know Him as your Lord and Savior, you are part of that. And each and every stone God is going to take and he wants to take. Remember he said in his words, I will build my church. And the gates of hell were not provided. And we often take that for our own little congregation. No, he's talking about the living stones out there. He says, I will take you 
and I will take you, and I will take you, and I will take you, and 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 I will build you together into a spiritual house that is strong in the Lord, that is alive, and it is up to you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you, and you to proclaim to the principalities in darkness who we are. It is time to tell him who's in control. It's not the enemy. It is God. Our God is in control. My God is the creator of the heavens and the earth. And he thinks he owns this little planet. He doesn't. It's in the hands of my God. He can only do what God will allow him to do. For a season. But the time is coming. And he knows his time is up. That Jesus is returning to this earth. And there's a judgment coming upon this earth. That this world has never ever seen. Something that the Bible says when he comes, every eye, every person, every king, every great man, every small man will run away for the fearful sight when they see him coming in clouds of glory. And they will know that is him that we've been mocking. It is him that we've been ridiculing. And the Bible says that he will call upon the hills and the mountains to fall upon him and they will die. But the Bible says even death will flee from them. There will be no hiding. You can slip your arms and say, I don't want to be part of this world, you will not die. Because death will flee from you as the world comes to see the fearful God that is about to come. But yet, even in this chaotic scenes of bricks lying all over the place, he has a living stone, there's a living stone. This living stone believes we should go that one, that one believes we should go that one, this one says, no, that one, that one says this way. They're all over the place. You ever been to a building site? It's a mess. Go into a building site where they start building houses and stuff. It's a mess. It looks terrible. And they've got gravel all over. They've got stones lying here, boxes of cement over there. <coughs> Sorry. And you think to yourself, what on earth are they doing here? You don't even know they're building something. And then suddenly one day a builder pitches up. And he starts to pick up those little stones and put them together. And you know, I don't know how it happens, but myself, I go to work and back every day. And the next thing I walk, hey, where'd that house come from? And suddenly there stands this beautiful building. You see, we've got to allow the master builder to start building those stones and put his church together. He's got to start building. We've got to allow him to put his church together to understand that we are one in Christ. Just as Jesus prayed that they may be one as you, Father, and I are in one. And the church is everything but that. So much to the point that we have to pray for a protection over the new church that has been born, especially in Israel. For the false things that are out there. It is time. And Paul goes on and he, he carries on his plea in verse 14 of, of Ephesians 3. <clears throat> and he says, for this reason, he says, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from the whole family of whom from the whole family of heaven and earth is named, that he will grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened through his spirit, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Oh, how do we long for that? I pray God this morning that each and every one of us, before we leave this place, will experience that strengthening of might through the power of His Holy Spirit that we may be strong in these days. Jesus told us to be light and salt upon this earth. Salt makes you thirsty, man. We should be such that whoever comes in our lives start to get a thirst. I want what you've got. A guy once told me once, he said his dad uh, kept telling him to do something, you know, and, and it, or, or to speak to his friend, to take him to church with and, you know, get him to commit his life to the Lord and all this. And he did that. And he used to take his friend with to youth and all this. And, and, he, and, he, and, he, and he eventually said to his dad, he says, I don't know. He says, you know, dad, you can take to the horse to the water, but you can't make him drink. And his dad says, you're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to make him thirsty. Then he will drink. And that's why he tells us to be salt, isn't it? So we make the world thirsty. Make the world want. At the moment the world looks at the church, I don't think they want it. They think it's a joke. The church of God needs to become powerful again. I'm so grateful, you know, so many times we come in places like this and, you know, the Lord just confirms his word and, and I don't know what, what's been spoken about before in the last three days, but certainly the scriptures are coming out. Just such confirmation this morning. Dion read the scripture and I'm going to read it to you in John 1 verse 12. It says, but as many as received him, he gave. Some Bible says the right, some says the authority. The King James says he gave the power to be the sons of the living God. 
For all who believe him, he gave you power to become the sons of the living. He gave you authority to say, I'm a son and a daughter of the living God. But I think it's time we tell the principalities and powers out there who I am. Who I am. You know, <clears throat> during the Second World War, you know the story well of, you know, the, the well, it wasn't even the Second World one and a half yet at that stage, because the Americans weren't involved, were they? They had this big battle going on in Europe with Hitler, and America wouldn't partake. The Japanese thought it wise to go and bomb, uh, where was it, Pearl Harbor? And uh, yeah, what seemed to be a massive success for them, they almost took out, uh, you know, a great portion of the American fleet sunk many ships, aircraft carriers. They did an awful amount of damage. And uh, one of the generals of the, of the Japanese army said to the other one, he says, what a victory. What a victory we have. And the other guy turned around to him and he says, I fear. The only thing we've done is woken a sleeping giant. I pray to God. That's what the demons say to each other. I fear. The only thing we've done through this virus, through the shaking of this earth that God is allowing right now, is we're waking up a sleeping giant. And that sleeping giant is the church of the living God. Let me tell you, there's nothing more that the heavenlings and the principalities of darkness fear is that the church of God is to come alive in these days. If that church of God, those living stones start to come together as the hand of God starts to build it together and fills it into a spiritual building. It is a building that Jesus said not even the gates of hell will be able to prevail against it. He can come with all his satanic forces that he will, but they will stand together as one strong in the Lord because they've been built by the creator of the heavens and the earth. You see, once again, he will shake the things that can be shaken. But that which cannot be shaken will remain. That is the power of the living God. He has given us power. You see, too many Christians believe when they're born again, that's it. I believe that's it. I need to become a child of God and I come and I give my house, my life to the Lord and now I'm a new Christian. But you know, the problem with that is that's all it is. It is just a new birth. It is a birth. What happens after birth? Ask the mummies, they cry. And they cry at night. And they scream. And they keep you awake. And you give them a bottle. And you feed them some milk. And then they sleep a little bit and they're happy. And then they cry again. And you give them some milk. That's what happens to babies. And that's why the Bible says we cannot stay as babies. We cannot have Jesus come and feed us as babies every time we cry. Every time we have a problem. We need to get strong. We need to understand the meat of the word. We need to know who we are in Christ Jesus. What more do we have than the word of God that says, I have given you the authority to say to the heavenlies and the principalities that you are my son, that you are my daughter. You know, when, you, when you're in school and you're in trouble or a bully comes and picks on you and you go home and you tell your big brother or your father and the next time he picks on you, he says, I told my dad about you. You better watch out. And suddenly you feel a lot safe. Man, it's time that we need to tell the devil, I've told my father about you. I've told my father in heaven what you're up to. You just don't know who my heavenly father is. You need to understand, I'm a child of the most high God. I'm a son of the living God. I'm part of the household of Yahweh. I'm part of the armies of God. One day I'm going to return with him and I'm going to be sitting on a white horse and the entire world is going to flee from me in the sight of what my commander is who rides out in front. That's who I am. I might be flesh and blood on this side of the world, but you know We'll be coming back with him in clouds of glory, clothed in white robes, white, washed by the blood of the Lamb. Why are we so weak at this side of the grave? Why are we so weak? We're already partakers of it. We already are. He's given us eternal life. We have that hope within us. Death is nothing for us. It's a transition from one place to another. 
And I often look back and I think of some of my friends that have died quite young, a guy I used to work with. I often think of the guy, I don't know why. But I just think of him, you know, he was so young when he died, he had, um, oh, I can't remember, uh, uh, that immune disease where they, you know, they become paralyzed. And he died very young, but he was a believer. And I sometimes think, man, you lucky fellow, you. You lucky fellow, you messed all this nonsense, man. You're sitting there with Jesus. And we often, we, 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 we're sad. We just lost my cousin just, just uh, two days ago. And we're sad for them passing away. But you know, on the other hand, I think where she is now, in glory with God, man, she's weeping for us. Oh, Lord, look at those poor people that are left behind. Man, they're, they're crying for me. What are you crying for me for, man? Come on. I'm where I'm supposed to be. You're coming soon, too. And they'll be rooting for us. Just like Jesus says, come on, don't you see who you are? Don't you see who you are? Don't you realize who you are? Don't you realize I've given you my Holy Spirit? Romans 8 verse 10 says this. It says, and if, look, have a look at it. Romans 8 verse 10. Romans 8 verse 10 says this. And if, if Christ is in you, I want to ask you this morning, is Christ in you? Amen. He's in us, right. Well, then the body is dead because of sin. Why? Because he died on the cross for us. So our body is dead because of sin. But the spirit is life because of righteousness, the righteousness of Christ. But if the spirit of him who raised Christ Jesus from the dead dwells in you, does he dwell in you? Amen. He who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life to your mortal bodies, bodies through the Spirit which dwells in you. Let me tell you something. The enemy does not want you to realize the power of the Spirit that lives in you. There is one day that the principalities and powers of the heavens will never ever, ever forget. That is the day, 2,000 years ago, when Jesus Christ was nailed to that cross. And remember who he proclaimed to be, the Son of God. If you are God, if he is God, surely he cannot die. And then what happened? He died. So they thought. He died. You see, the trouble is only flesh died. Because that moment when they thought they had him. Yes, he's dead. We've got him. The next moment, he's standing in front of them. And there's a spirit inside him. Which is life. And he could stand in front of them and say, give me the keys of hell and of death. For I am the Alpha and the Omega. You know, I always get this picture. The Bible says in Revelation that one day, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess. Every tongue. On heaven, on earth, under the earth, in the seas. Everything will confess that Jesus Christ is and I had this picture one day. You know, I always thought, yeah, yeah, even the devils, they will have to admit. You know, and I had this picture always. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, and I'll find you one, you know. You, Lord, that kind of picture. And God just showed me one day. That's not the case. That's not the case. Even Satan and his armies will bow down. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Why? Because he defeated them. He defeated the last enemy called death. Why? Through the spirit of the living God that was within inside him. You can kill the body, but you couldn't kill the spirit. They could never, they could nail that body to the cross. He just simply came back because of the spirit. Now, you have that same spirit living in you, enemy. That's the church of the living God. And let me tell you what principalities in darkness do not want you to understand that. You need to remind him, hey, 
You think you can mess me around? Why don't you think back what happened 2,000 years ago? You don't know that that same spirit that rose him from the dead lives in me. Do you not know that the word of God says that greater is he that is in me, that is in the world? What am I of this world? Nothing. I am the church of the living God. I am a living stone. I am strong through the Lord. It is time to strengthen the hands that lay low. It is time to strengthen the feeble knees and to make straight the path that we all walk in one direction and we stop splintering off into our own directions having just a building yard full of stones being scattered all over the place. It is time that we allow the master builder to come in and to build once again. During a time of prayer a while ago at the church we had a we sometimes get together early in the morning before church and a few men gather there and we just spent a quiet time of prayer. And during that time, one morning, I just had this little picture. And as we were praying, and I just saw like there was a table. And on this table was, I don't know, it was some art form. It was like a, a picture drawn. I don't know exactly what it was. But I saw a hand come and smash that, that picture to bits. And it just scattered all over the place. And in my mind, I was just seeing myself going up to start picking up these pieces. And to see if I can put it together. And the Lord said, stop. Stop, that's what you've been doing for too long. That's what you've been doing for too long. He says, I've come to shake the things of this world yet again. And I'm going to smash it to bits. But this time, you allow me to put those pieces back together again. You allow me to take them piece by piece and to put them back together again. And there are times in our lives when it feels like God has just put his hands and things have just smashed apart. And he's saying, give me the opportunity this morning, me the opportunity to pick up those pieces and put them together to you. And we're all of us men praying there, we got the same picture at the same time of the vessels of honor. You know, the vessel that the potter has on the clay. And when he sees it's a bit of a mess, he takes it and smashes it to pieces and builds it again. And uh, the Lord showed us that many Christians today are vessels and they're full of cracks. And although he pours out his spirits, it keeps leaking out. He pours out his spirit, it keeps leaking out and can never get to the point of overflowing where we can reach the world. It's only when we start to overflow and it runs over that it spills out into the, rich, the world and that's when the world sees who we really are. But because we're so full of cracks and so full of issues, it keeps leaking out. And the problem is today that too many Christians, when they come to the Lord with these cracked vessels, they just want the cracks repaired. Lord, I've got this issue in my life. I want you to deal with it. So what do you expect? But the Lord comes and he takes a little bit of putty and puts it in the cracks so that it doesn't leak a little bit more. But just now it leaks out the other side again. And then he fixes the other side of the crack and then this one has come loose again. He's got to come back and fix this crack and that crack. No, the time is coming when I believe you've got to say to God, no, smash it. Smash it, Lord. Break it. And build it again. But this time I'm putting you myself in your hands. I'm going to lay off. I'm going to put myself on the potter's table and I'm going to say, Lord, you make me a vessel of honor. You make me the vessel that can contain this powerful Holy Spirit of yours that is able to raise you from the dead. The same Spirit that you said lives in me that is even able to quicken my mortal body. If we understand who we are as the church of the living God, then let me tell you something. Principalities and powers of darkness will fear us because the Bible says it cannot even comprehend the light because there's no darkness in them but too many lights today are feeble little candles and they're stuck under a table somewhere or they're in a corner of a church it's time it's time for the church to stand up it's time for the church to be raised up and put on a hilltop for the world to see and maybe that's why Paul says in Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Finally, my Lord. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Be strong. 
And I want to say to each and every one of us as Christian and believers today, it is finished of time of playing church. It is over. If you think that we can continue with religion and church, we're wrong. Each and every single one of us is a living stone in the hands of a living God. And if that stone is cracked this morning and it has bruises and cracks and you know that it doesn't feel very good, then I ask you this morning, bring it to the cross. Bring it to Jesus once again. Say, smash it, Lord. Smash it and build it again. Take me back to the potter's table and form me again that I may be a vessel of honor, worthy to receive the power of your Holy Spirit, worthy to carry the Spirit in me, because I am a temple of the Holy Ghost. We need God to allow to move in our lives. And in closing now, what I want to do this morning, I don't believe that we should even leave this place without knowing that we've had a touch from God. Because folks, let me tell you what, there is a battle out there, and it's not easy. And I don't know what struggles you're going with right now, but God knows. I don't know what turmoil you might be in. You might be even in perfect peace where you are right now. But I'll tell you what, our world is being shaken. We don't know whether next week even our incomes might be taken away from us. We don't know. And we need to be sure that we are sure that we're rooted and founded in him who holds our future. So this morning I want to pray for you and I want each and every one of you to, 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 to uh, uh, just come to that as Dion said earlier on the week to make a quality decision in your life to say Lord no more. No more am I going to be a feeble Christian. I am a living stone. I am the son. I am the daughter of the most high God. I am part of the armies of Yahweh. And I don't want to be a wimp. I want to be a soldier that is ready to walk with you. And that doesn't involve picking sides. It doesn't involve uh, forming an army against this group or that group or even the world. Because when Joshua came to the Lord and he saw him standing there, this soldier, this general who was Jesus Christ, and he walked to him and he said, Sir, are you for us or against us? And he said to Joshua, No, Joshua. No, Joshua. Take the sandals off the feet for the ground that you're standing on is holy ground. Joshua, all you do is get behind me. You just get behind me. And that's what we want to do this morning is just get behind him. The commander of the heavenlies on us. And we, we can't tell God you need to go this. Lord, you need to destroy that ministry or you need to come up against the Muslims or this or that. God knows what he's doing. Let's just get behind him. Let's just get behind the commander of the heavenlies armies. And let's just understand who we are. That we're the living stones, that we're powerful. That we're powerful in the name of Jesus Christ. And let's tell the heavenlies who we are. Do you realize this is the church of the living God? And you better watch out. Because we're busy waking up. I want to pray this morning that each and every one of us are touched by the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to ask John and Dion to come forward as well as we pray. And I want to ask you, as we, I just want to pray a prayer for all of us. But then we're going to stay in front. John and Dion, myself, are going to stay in front. And if you've got anything... I'm serious with you this morning. If there's anything that's bothering you, that's hindering you, this morning, deal with it. 